Welcome to The Spoken Nerd, the podcast about database technology. I'm your host, Connor McDonald, and in this episode, we'll finish off the discussion I had with Tim Hall from oraclebase.com. In particular, in this episode, we jump into the latest and greatest tech, namely 21C, what's in it for you and what's in it for Oracle. Please enjoy a chat with Tim Hall. The last video you did, as far as I know, you may have done one since then, was on 21C Express Edition, which just came out. I had an installation video on that, and I've got one as well. And Windows versions now come out as well. So we got Linux and Windows for 21C Express Edition. Obviously, there's a big push from every software vendor around the world now to get more developer mindshare. Do you think Express Edition gets Oracle on that path? Do you think Express Edition is core to that winning developer mindshare? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like anytime you can give someone something that's two things. One, simple to install is a massive bonus because even though we've been doing Oracle for years and it's easy to do a full-blown installation for us, there's a lot of people, as I mentioned before, that maybe they're a developer and they really don't care about how you install an Oracle database properly. They just don't care. So for them, having a way to effectively do a single DNF or yum command to get it is absolutely fantastic. So that's one thing. The other thing is free is incredibly important. And I don't think Oracle have paid enough attention to this until recent times. Now we obviously have XE. Its history has been a little bit jagged in that we've had it sometimes and then it's disappeared for a while and then it's come back. But hopefully now we're onto the proper cadence where every main release will have an XE release, which I think is really good. We've got the free tier stuff in the cloud, which I think is really good to give people a taste of what they can do there. Because ultimately, every barrier to entry that some other company doesn't have will mean you'll lose business. You know, if you have to pay $1,000 to fire something up in the cloud, or you can do it in another cloud provider for 20 cents, guess what everyone's going to try? And it doesn't matter if what you've got is better or whatever. No one's going to risk that initial payment on something unless they're absolutely sure they want to go that route. So I think things like free and free tier are super important. And if we look at XE has got some very important things that are not important to me as an individual, but I understand why they are necessary. So first of all, fully featured, it's not crippled. Obviously, there are resource limitations, but in terms of functionality, it's not crippled. So someone can actually get that in their company, start using it without risk of getting a licensing audit. They can try out all these features, see if any are worth actually paying for the real feature in their enterprise edition or standard edition or whatever. So that's an important point. The other thing is teaching and demonstration. I don't think many people outside of people who have taught understand the the gray area of the legalities of teaching against Oracle because there is no, as far as I'm aware, no official teaching license you can buy. So whenever you go to teach somewhere, you either have to use that company's licensing to have the test instances that people can play around on while you teach, or effectively you're breaking the law because if you suddenly fire up a bunch of VMs for them to use, and they've not gone through an official process where they've downloaded it for themselves from, you know, the internet and done the install, then you're technically breaking the license agreements. Whereas with XE, then life's a lot easier. 
So someone going to teach something like, say, new features of 21C can have all those new features available for people to try. And it's a much clearer situation than the thing they've had to do previously. So there's a number of aspects there. But I think the killer is ease of use as well, getting installed quickly and easily. There's also a conversation about whether you should actually use in production for real. And that's kind of an interesting conversation I've had with a number of people. So let's say you're an Apex developer. What's to stop you actually having Apex installed on XE, but then linking out to data sources external to that? So whether those are REST-enabled databases using ORDS or whether they're database links, even to non-Oracle databases, like using heterogeneous services to connect to MySQL or SQL Server, for example, all those things are possible where your Apex sits in a very sort of small instance in XE and you use that as a front end to other services, which is an interesting sort of idea. Obviously, the downside of that is you don't get patches and security patches are super important. But then if I look at a lot of people, it's clear they don't patch. True. Yeah. Is it worse having, you know, 21.3 for two years unpatched or having 19c with full patching available but not patching it it's easy for me to get on my high horse and say we patch every quarter we put security patches in it's absolutely not allowed for us to not do that but i see lots of other companies that don't do that and they have the if it ain't broke don't fix it attitude in that case the lack of security patches for XE21C is irrelevant. So I feel like there's a number of use cases that it's a really natural fit for, depending on your internal company culture. It would be nice in a way if that could be patched and they kind of auto give you some auto patch type functionality, because I don't see a disadvantage in having it patched. I see no disadvantage to Oracle because it stops it being an attack vector because the last thing you want to do is have a big story saying massive company XYZ used XE, got attacked, and as a result, disaster. Because no one will sit there reading the article going, oh, well, they were stupid for using XE. They'll just say, oh, Oracle's insecure. You know, the same way Windows give out patches for free because not doing so is a disaster from a PR perspective. So personally, I would make the patches available because the usage restrictions should be enough to limit it to use cases where, you know, 12 gig of data is not appropriate. And even with your example, where if someone said, oh, we're going to somehow subvert this and try access all sorts of other remote sources, that processing is still going to be done on the box that you've got XE on. So yeah, it's it's basically a, a use case that's not going to fit genuine Oracle use cases of standard or enterprise edition anyway. Yeah, I mean, I've heard stories of people trying to do things that they think are clever, like, hey, we run up 20 VMs with XE on, but then you look at the licensing and you're not allowed to do that. So, you know, you can't, you can think you're doing something smart, but invariably someone will come and audit you and you'll get slapped on the wrist for it. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a, a very valuable product for a number of reasons. And I think one of the biggest ones is you've always got to be careful when you generalize, and I'm about to generalize, but a lot of developers don't care about how you install. They want something simple. They don't care about it being optimum. They want something on their laptop that they can 
play around with because they want to focus on the bit they care about, which is the development, not on the installation. And I think anything that lowers the barrier to in entry, whether that's for developers or for students or anything like that, I think has got to be a good thing. In terms of that, um, the developers are always keen on reducing that time from I'm interested in piece of software to I'm now using piece of software. One of the things I've seen people when they criticize, when they want to throw the uh, the FUD onto Oracle XE is they'll often say, oh, well, if we go get database X, and it could be MySQL, Postgres, you know, Marie, whatever, we download it, and from the time we've downloaded it to the time we start using it is two minutes, 30 seconds, whereas with XE, that initial install still creates a database, still creates a while. Do you think that's a big deal? Do you think that's it's a big barrier to entry? or I think it depends on the nature. Let's say, I remember a conversation with someone where they said, I don't get what the big deal is with Docker because everyone talks about you can fire something up in 30 seconds, but typically our databases live for, you know, 10 years plus. Why do I care about saving half a day at the start of that project? But what I would say is that it's definitely a barrier to entry to have someone have to download three plus gig because it just you get distracted while it's happening and start looking at something else. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a barrier to entry when the size of something like the footprint of a VM or a container is big. And that's something that Oracle will always suffer with. It will never be lightweight because it's not the way it's built. But I think those can be mitigated to some extent. I think where it becomes problematic is on CICD. So continuous integration, continuous deployment. It's something that I think a lot of Oracle DBAs don't really think about because it doesn't fit with their world very well. But nowadays, people will often want infrastructure that lives only for the lifespan of a particular test. You maybe have a deployment into production. What you've got is a merge into Git into your main line, which triggers a CICD pipeline, which will create a bunch of infrastructure, run all of the, the unit tests, the integration tests, all of that stuff. And at the end of that process, say, yes, this has passed, remove all of that infrastructure and then deploy the application to production. Obviously, the production database already exists, but the application will be changing. Some of the test suites people build take hours to run. So putting on an extra sort of 20 minutes an hour to build some infrastructure is unacceptable. And I wrote a, uh, an article about the different ways you can use Oracle databases in CICD pipelines to try and minimize that sort of the time it takes to get things up and running. But it is a problem for certain types of users. I think anything that increases the footprint or the initial setup time makes it harder to work with in CICD. And there are a bunch of people that will find that unacceptable and look for alternative products. So I think the quick start time is more of a problem in professional development than it is for necessarily a beginner, unless that beginner happens to be really into CICD. Although just to counter that argument, I'm actually currently working with a customer who obviously I won't mention, but they're excited about 21XC with the unlimited pluggables because it's funny how for their CICD, what they're planning on doing is having XC on like say their development server that no one actually uses. No developers will access that. Every developer will have their own XE on their own laptop. For their CICD, what they'll be doing is cloning that central XE, cloning a pluggable from there onto Sandbox, CICD, you know, anything they can fire up. I was testing it to give them some timings to clone an XE instance, an XE pluggable. 
is you know, 20, 30 seconds. Someone obviously has that originally that, that XE, which is effectively sitting on their development server. But the idea is, yeah, someone paid that price once and now everyone else does clones because there's no limit on the number of pluggables. I like that idea. That's a, that's a great use case. The same as like say refreshable PDBs where you can uh, make your PD, keep your PDB up to date by refreshing it. If you're not making DDL changes and DML changes, but then obviously you can flip it from being refreshable to a regular one. So that's also, there are a variety of ways you can do this. I think where it becomes difficult is cloning a PDB that's very small is very quick. If it's a, I want a clone of our warehouse, then the other extreme, then just copying those files between servers is huge. And you have to start looking at doing some sort of sparse cloning to try and minimize the amount of data being sort of rewritten. I think it's really um, important that people understand there are many ways to sort of skin a cat here and you've got to find one that works for you. And I, I, as I say, I've written an article on several ways that I've used or can think of using to achieve this. I swear if you say link in the description, (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the podcast notes. With most things in technology, anything's possible. It just comes down to how much work do you want to do and how much imagination do you have? I think the difficulty with some of the Oracle products is because they come from a different era, you need a bit more imagination than maybe some other products that have been developed in the last 10 years that always had this this new world as part of their design sort of goal. I will get your thoughts on one more thing before I let you go, because obviously we've been talking for a fair while. We've just been talking about 21C Express Edition. Certainly inside Oracle, I often get lured into that sort of falsehood of, I go, oh, 21C's out. I'll start doing demos on 21C. And very quickly, you've stopped using 19C. And very quickly, you've totally forgotten about 12C and 11, which of course is where a lot of the world is on. Uh, thankfully, our stats in, suggest that a lot of people are moving to 19, which is nice. On the 21C, 19C long-term support, that concept of innovation releases versus long-term support releases. Do you think that separation is a smart move or, or do you think people even care? Or So there's my opinion and then there's what I'm getting from a lot of other people. My opinion is I think it's a really good move because people who need the functionality ASAP can have it. They're just committing to an upgrade path that's different to what they might want to choose otherwise. So if there's a compelling reason to go to the product, you can, you know, you're desperate for that feature, happy days. You just know that you've got to upgrade within two years. That's totally acceptable. If someone is looking for slow and steady, they will just bounce between long-term support releases. And I feel like that's what the vast majority of people are happy with. If we look at what happened with in the past, people would go for from 10G release two to 11G release two to 12C release two sort of thing. That was um, the general attitude a lot of people would take because they would never trust the release one because that was effectively the innovation release. And I, I was, I've always been a fan of pushing forward. But having said that, in my company that I work now, we have no intention of moving to 21C. We'll wait for 23C. We've pushed all but very few databases are now on 19C. The ones that aren't are things that are effectively dead projects. We're just looking for the either the decommission or the archiving project, which will involve moving those to 19C if it's an archiving project. They're effectively dead databases, so they've dropped off the radar from a kind of scheduling perspective. But everything else is at 19C 
unless there's a really compelling reason to go to 21C for one or two specific databases, we won't do that because I can't guarantee when the next momentum for an upgrade will happen. And if I commit them to 21C because it's cool and sexy for me, and then they're forced into an upgrade within two years for that project, they might not be, might not be able to sustain that. And you get budget and timing and schedules and all that exactly. Kind of stuff, yeah. You know, I've done it before where I've worked for three years planning an upgrade. You know, it, it's so easy for that to happen. So I think from that perspective, I really like the innovation release. I think it's a really good idea. It gets code to production a lot quicker than waiting once every four years. So that's a great idea for me. I appreciate that doing it yearly is proving difficult. We've now missed 20 and we'll miss 22. So yearly, a yearly cadence is possibly not practical, but who knows in future. But I do think it's more important to do it more regularly than once in a blue moon. I think the other thing from a marketing perspective is other products are maybe a bit leaner and a bit more sort of agile in terms of their throughput of changes. And it's really bad to be compared to a new new product when your long-term support release is your, your latest stable release, let's say, let's not call it long-term support your latest stable release is four years old. You then have the announcement of all the new features that everyone else has had for four years already. It's not a good look. So from a marketing perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense. But I, I really like the idea. The opinion that I get from most other people is most people seem to hate it. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's because they feel sort of duty bound to move to it. Maybe they've forgotten the point of this because which is why I repeat very regularly in my blog posts when I'm talking about upgrades, you should be on 19C. That's where your aim should be. And I know people like yourself and Mike Daytrick are saying the same thing. Don't fall for the hype that you have to be on 21C. It's not the way to go. Personally, I don't use 19C anymore at home. I'm only 21C. I have I can build a 19C installation in Vagrant in a few minutes. So if I need it, I can. At work, I'm 100%, well, 99.9% 19C. At home, I'm 100% 21C because I don't see the point in using an old version. I want to be hitting the problems of using the new version. And I don't mean problems as in bugs. I mean problems as in new ways of working. I want to experience that now. I don't want to experience it when I'm upgrading to 23C. So for example, I wrote about read-only Oracle homes in 18C, but I've never used them consistently until 21C. And I keep having things that I do that fail. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with it? Oh yes, it's not working because I've edited the sqlnet.ora in the Oracle home rather than in the read-only, uh, sorry, in the in the read-only Oracle home rather than in the new Oracle home. So it's things like that that I think you won't, they only become part of your natural action by doing them repeatedly. And the last thing you want to do is make those mistakes on a production system because you've only been on that version for three minutes. That's a really good point. And the, the, the message I've been telling people is same thing, long-term support, innovation release. And I was always saying innovation releases, if, if there is that competitive advantage, you know, something that's going to drive your business by having that access to that feature. But a good friend of ours, Dom Giles, he's, he brought up that similar topic to what you just said. He told me, it's not just that. It's not just... I need to go to 21 for some sort of competitive advantage. It's even if you never plan to go to 21 in your production systems, 
by having 21 floating around in your organization, whether it's in a sandbox or a play area or whatever, then when you do, even if you are a long-term support kind of focused person, when you do make that jump to 23, yeah, you've been tinkering with the things that'll be in 23C because you're playing with 21. And I'd, I'd never thought of it that way, but yeah, it's, it's like free training. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, so when 12C release one came out, we obviously got the first introduction of pluggable databases. Most people hated it. Most people didn't want to go that route. Every project that I could, I used a pluggable database for 12.1 onwards. And I've some of those projects I've upgraded through 12.2, 18C, 19C. Um, and I forced myself to commit to it because I thought sooner or later, we're going to have to start using this. And it's going to be a really unholy mess if I've not committed to it. We now get 19c which is the last release where non-cdb is allowed some people are still not committing to pluggable databases for it because they're working on the basis they'll wait till 23c when they have to make the change and that's a big jump <laughs> i've learned all those lessons made all those mistakes like over a long period of time mostly at home but also sometimes at work unfortunately you've had many years to get ready for this change but it will still be a horror show in 23C and people will be complaining going, I need non-CDB, this doesn't work. My common user, my common user won't let me install stuff and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. so I sort of feel like it's important that you, you're aware of these new features, but it's also important that you actually get some practical experience of them. Writing an article on something doesn't mean that you'll do it the right way when you're sort of distracted, when you're in the thick of it. You know, I still do things now where I do them like I'm on Oracle 7. Is it 12.1? We got to move data files online. You're still taking stuff offline. Everyone does. And, well, no, I don't. But every time I do it, I go, oh, yeah, I can use this new feature. It was from 12.1. It's so old. But in my head, I'm still Oracle 7. And I feel like I've got to turn everything off and rewrite the control <laughs> file and all this sort of stuff. But it just takes a while for those things to become part of your normal toolkit. And so I think the earlier you start them, the better. I can guarantee you when people go pluggable database in 23C, people will screw up their backups because they won't understand the changes that have happened in backups when you're in multi-tenant. Most of them are totally fine. But as soon as you have more than one pluggable database, you ain't doing a recovery of your instance of your whole database. Otherwise, you're making two teams angry instead of one. I think things like that, and I've done presentations on this. I did one when 12.1 first came out, I think, called Pluggable Databases, What They'll Break and Why You Should Use Them Anyway, or something like that, where I listed all of the things that are going to go wrong for you as an individual, but why that doesn't matter. You still need to commit. And it was effectively predicting pretty obviously that at some point we'd lose non-CDB. I thought it would happen in 20. It turns out it's happening in 23C. It's happening, so get used to it. And people have had a long time to get used to it. If they haven't, that's on them. It isn't sort of necessarily Oracle's fault. Anyway, Tim, we've been talking for nearly two hours. We should give both, we should give yourself and our podcast listeners a, a breather. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for dropping in and catching up. Hopefully, international travel, I think, opens up from Australia at the end of this year. 
not in time, not in time for me to get to UK OUG, but hopefully sometime in 2022, we can do this maybe across the same desk. With masks right. and hand sanitizer. <laughs> That's right. And a big plexi. <laughs> and a plastic and screen. And a big plexiglass between us, yeah, like the old cone of silence. The cone of silence is probably what Tim and I both need because we simply talk too much. But we'll wrap up that episode here. Hopefully you've enjoyed me touching base with Tim Hall from oraclebase.com. I'll be back again soon, hopefully with more guests on The Spoken Nerd. See you all soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast. The music credit goes to Zan Man from Pixabay Music. 